Okay, so uh, we continue, um, or we're starting our, our time uh, in 2021 uh, in God's Word. Uh, I wanted to follow on with what Jason was speaking about, stay at home with Jesus. And I thought it would be helpful for us just to hone in on what it is we desire the most in 2021. What do we desire the most within our lives? As we think of all of our lives, what is our greatest desire, our greatest pursuit, our most fulfilling and satisfied heart within our lives? You know, myself, TJ and Jason and anyone else could spend all of 2021 talking about living for God. But unless you desire living for God, unless you desire God more than anything else within your life, it will fall on deaf ears. We could talk and talk and talk about this. But unless you have a heart change within your life, it will fall on deaf ears. It will prove to be spiritually impossible to live for Jesus because you desire something else more within your life. Today's message is titled, Longing for God in 2020, 2021. What is it that we desire the most? And what I hope to achieve is that you can come to this place in your life where you dig down to the root of your heart and you identify the nature of the roots within your heart. What is really going on within your life? What is it you prioritise and pursue and find satisfaction in the most? So I want you to ask a question, what is the essence of your heart's desire both today and throughout this year in 2021? For us to ask that question of ourselves and for us to answer this biblically, I want to focus on two examples. The first one is the example of the psalmist, what we read in Psalm 42. And the second example is of the Apostle Paul, what we read in Philippians chapter 4 and in verses 4 to 7. So let's read these passages together, starting in Psalm 42, Psalm 42, the psalmist says this, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, Where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many, leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Saviour and my God. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow? Because of the enemy's oppression. My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones. While all day long they say to me, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him. My saviour and my God. And then if we jump across to Philippians chapter 4 in the New Testament, in verses 4 to 7, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding 
will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word uh, today. A number of years back, uh, I was in a town called uh, Cusco uh, in Peru with a friend. And we were in the plaza area, the central point of Cusco, where all the cafes and restaurants are. And we were hungry. We were looking for somewhere to eat. And so we were walking about the plaza, trying to find the best, the cheapest place to eat. And you have these people who do promotions for a restaurant. And so they're all standing outside of a restaurant, trying to sell us their particular place. And as we're walking about, they're all approaching us, wanting us to sit at their table. And there was a moment where we just got so overwhelmed by the level of promotion in our faces. We had three or four people surrounding us, wanting us to go to their particular restaurant with our menus in our faces. And we were just so overwhelmed by it. My friend just decided to close his eyes, put his hands over his ears, and just start screaming really loudly. And we were all kind of freaked out by this. By this. We didn't know what to do. And we walked away thinking this was absolutely hilarious. But there was an important truth for us as we look back on that night. That being because there were so many offers and different promotions for places to eat, we couldn't actually find anywhere to eat. Ironic as it is, there was just far too much noise, far too much stuff in our faces. So these places had the opposite effect of what they had hoped to achieve. And this is a picture of our hearts as well. We can have so many different competing desires in our hearts. And such as a noise, such as a pointlessness of our pursuits. But sometimes, sometimes we just want to close our eyes, put our hands over our ears and just start screaming. We hopefully eventually realise that we aren't satisfied for one reason. And that reason is this, because our spiritual hunger isn't satisfied That hunger for God that we all carry in our lives still exists and can only be fulfilled by God himself. And for the psalmist and for Paul, they were not blind to the emptiness of the world. They were not numb to spiritual hunger. They both knew how it is that spiritual hunger can be and could be filled within their life. So first off, the psalmist recognises the absolute necessity, the absolute importance of longing for God. Have a look at verses 1 to 2 from this psalm. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? So these words really capture the desire of the psalmist towards his God. There's this relationship between the psalmist and his God, and it really captures something of the hunger, the thirst, the desire he has for this relationship. Words like long, this earnest desire the psalmist has for his God. First, as water rehydrates us, God refills us in his Holy Spirit. And the psalmist clearly knows this to be true. Phrases like, when can I come and appear before God? There's a confident desperation in this. The psalmist believes that God will fulfill this desire But the psalmist doesn't want to wait any longer. He wants it right now. He trusts that God will fulfill this desire he has. And he's asking expectantly that God would fulfill this desire right now. When can I wait, God? I want it now. So what an example the psalmist is for each one of us today. Through his words, through this prayer that we see in Psalm 42. So let me ask, when was the last time you prayed like that? When was the last time 
you prayed like that. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever prayed like those first two verses in Psalm 42? And do you want to pray like that? Do you have a desire to desire that kind of prayer? This is what we're thinking about as we think about longing for God in 2021. And the Apostle Paul understands also the need to rejoice in the Lord, which is very similar to Psalm in Psalm 42. Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. What does that mean? Rejoice is not a word we use a lot in today's culture, in today's society, in our Western cultural context. To rejoice is to find delight in, is to find joy in something, is to find satisfaction in something. So when Paul says rejoice in the Lord, he's saying find delight in the Lord, find joy in the Lord. So you could rejoice in anything, anything that this world offers. But Paul says, make sure that the one thing you rejoice in is in the Lord, him and him alone. And he says it twice. It's fascinating. Paul says this twice. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. So important is this command that he immediately repeats it. I can't think of many other occasions in scripture where Paul repeats a command straight after commanding something. I might be wrong. It doesn't happen a lot. I know that Paul does this because he understands the absolute necessity and importance for every single one of us in our Christian lives to rejoice in the Lord. And he says it again, rejoice. Finding delight in the Lord, I'll say it again, find delight. Find satisfaction in the Lord, I'll say it again, says Paul. Find satisfaction in him and him alone. Paul and the psalmist, their desire is for God. And this desire with Paul and the psalmist, is more important than any other desire in their life. This is so important for us. As we think about desiring for God, it has to be number one of all the desires you have in your life. Your desire for God has to be in first place. So as we ask the question today, uh, what does it look like to long for God in 2021? Which is our first of three different questions. As we ask this question, what does it look like for us to long for God in 2021? I would say that it looks like a life in which we pursue enjoyment in God. We actually enjoy being in God's presence. As we're satisfied when our thirst is quenched, so we're satisfied spiritually in his presence. God fills and fulfills us in a way that nothing else can. You might find that in your life. You might find something that you find satisfaction in. But eventually it will run empty. But God never runs empty. He always and continues consistently to satisfy us every single day of our lives. People ought to look at each one of us and see a life that is undeniably satisfied in Christ. Do they see that kind of life? A life that is undeniably satisfied in Christ. People should see us and say there's something different about this person. They just have a joy in their life for something that is just way different from anyone, anyone else I've seen in my own personal life. Something different. It's the joy of the Lord and may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Do they see a life echoed by the words of this song, As the deer pants for the water? This is an older worship song and a deeply profound one because it captures the, the heart of Psalm 42 and the heart of what we're looking at today, we read, As the deer 
pants for the water. So my, so my soul longs after you. This is ex taken exactly directly from Psalm 42. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. I want you more than gold or silver. Only you can satisfy. Only Christ can satisfy your life. You alone are the real joy giver and the apple of my eye. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. You're my friend and you're my brother. Even though you are a king, there's this reverence and relationship that both go together. I love you more than any other, so much more than anything. So what does it look like for you to long for God in 2021? It looks like the words of this song. This is who God calls each one of us to be today. Second question I want us to, to be thinking about and asking of ourselves is this. How do we get to that place where we do long for God in our lives? How do we get to that place where we actually do long for God within our lives. Uh, I want you to think of, of two scenarios, two separate flights. The first one from Glasgow to New York, and then the return flight from New York to Glasgow. In the first scenario, you fly to New York from Glasgow, and there are no issues at all. You arrive on time, the smoothest flight of your life, and you land, nobody claps, the people just go straight for their luggage in the overhead compartment. And as you leave a plane, you nod your head and you give a polite thank you to the captain. And you then go about enjoying your time in New York, forgetting about anything of the flight. In the second scenario, you fly from Glasgow to New York and you do so in the middle of a massive storm. Uh, the captain also announces halfway through the flight that one of the engines has stopped working. He lets you know that this is gonna be a really, really difficult flight. He can't promise anything but he does say that he will do all he can to get you home safely. But there's no guarantee. Later on in the flight, you're advised to go into the brace position. Your full trust is on the ability of this pilot. It's in the balance as to whether or not you'll make it back to Glasgow. But you land safely. As the plane grinds to a halt, people cheer, people cry. Everyone wants to show their appreciation to the captain, both on the flight and even in the aftermath. In the weeks that follow, people want to just show extreme gratitude towards this captain. They tell everyone about what they went through and how it is they experienced. This experienced and skilled captain saved them from certain death. Now, I hope you see where I'm getting at with this. The passengers on one flight appreciated the captain more than the passengers on another flight. On the first flight, they took for granted what the pilot did. And in the second flight, they recognised that without him, they wouldn't be alive. It would be impossible without his experience and his gifting. Now, when you have a casual and intellectual understanding of what God has done for you in your life, when you take for granted the fact that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the dead, that he offers you the gift of his Holy Spirit to completely change your life, it will very much be a nod of the head and a polite thank you to God. But when you with your heart 
See how deserving of death you were. And when you see the extent to which God, through his son Jesus, rescued you from that death penalty, you will not be able to stop thanking him. You will rejoice every single day. You will celebrate and be satisfied in him. You will delight in him. Because you see who you were. You see what Christ has done for you. And you see who you are now becoming because of his grace and because of the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus says this in Luke 7, 47. The one who has been forgiven much loves him much. And the one who has been forgiven little loves him little. This is the essence of this, this story, this example. The more you see the extent to which you're saved, the more you will delight in him, the more you will be satisfied in him, the more you will long for him, the more you will rejoice in him. So understanding this will set the trajectory of your life in this year, in 2021. The extent to which you are satisfied in Christ is the extent to which you see Christ, the extent to which you appreciate Christ, the extent to which you cherish what Christ has done for you in your life. Jesus becomes your treasure. He becomes the one thing that you live for. When you see how undeserving you are, and when you see how loving he is, and when you see what he has done as a result of how loving he is towards you. Have a listen to these words from this old Matt Redman song, uh, Seeing You. Matt Redman uh, writes this, This is a time for seeing first, for seeing what Christ has done, and then for singing. This is a time for seeing and, and singing. This is a time for breathing you in, and breathing out your praise. Our hearts respond to your revelation. So our hearts respond to the revelation of what Christ has done for us in our lives. All you are showing and all we have seen commands a life of praise. When God shows and when we see, it commands a life of praise. No one can sing of things they have not seen. So it's impossible for us to rejoice and celebrate if we do not have an accurate picture of what Christ has done. God, open our eyes towards a greater glimpse. The glory of you, the glory of you. God, open our eyes towards a greater glimpse of you. Worship starts with seeing you. Worship starts with seeing you. Our hearts respond to your revelation. Our hearts respond to your revelation. So I say the second question for us today, how do we, how do we get to that place where we long for God? And the final question what does longing for God result in within our lives? What does longing for God result in? And a word, obedience. Obedience. It's a fascinating thing about a Christian life. We obey not by focusing on obedience. It's impossible to obey if you focus on obedience. We obey by delighting in him, by being satisfied in him, by rejoicing in him. Just as the extent to which you're satisfied in Christ is the extent to which you see him. Also, the extent to which you're disciplined in Christ is the extent to which you're satisfied in him. Let me just say that again. The extent to which you're satisfied in Christ is the extent to which you see him. And at the same time, the extent to which you're disciplined for Christ is the extent to which you're satisfied in him. So it begins with seeing, it leads to satisfaction, and it results in discipline, all in Christ. And in that order, seeing, satisfaction, obedience it would be exhausting for me as a pastor and as a preacher 
and for TJ or Jason and anybody else to be constantly having to rhyme off this obedience agenda. As important as it is, you know, if I was to say every single week, be a good Christian, do this, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. So much easier and so much more biblical for me to say, be not do this kind of person. Be the kind of person, be the kind of person who longs for God, who is satisfied in God, who delights in God, and be that kind of person because you cherish and treasure what he has done for you on the cross. That's the kind of person who obeys, who gives of her absolute all for Jesus. Think of a really popular restaurant or a cafe near you. Why do people keep coming back to that popular place? Well, they keep coming back because it's very enjoyable for them. They find satisfaction in the food, the environment, the whole experience. I know that's why I go back to the same places. If they didn't enjoy it, they wouldn't go back. What you do for God will only ever come from what God is doing in you. And what God is doing in you has to be a life that is satisfied in him. A place in your heart that is enjoying God every single day. Obedience to God is impossible without first satisfaction in him. You will only do for and give to Jesus when you truly enjoy him. You will only do for and give to Jesus when you truly enjoy him with all that you are. Take a moment to hear these words from John Piper. Piper says this, Christianity, what Jesus demands from us, is not most deeply and most fundamentally decisions of the will. Deeply and most fundamentally is this new birth, a deep, profound transformation of what we treasure, what we love. And if it isn't Jesus, then we're not worthy. So challenging words from Piper, but the question remains, what do we treasure the most? That's what will lead to obedience, a life that's reflecting God's goodness. The reality is, it's very easy, it's very easy to identify what's going on in your life by the condition of your heart. Let me just say that again. It's very easy to identify what's going on in your life by the condition in your heart. You can't really hide how close or how far away you are from God. The fruit of your life points to the root of your life because the root determines the fruit. So whatever's going on inside will in some way display itself on the outside. Speaking of false prophets, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7 and in verses 16 to 20. Jesus says, You'll recognise them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognise them by their fruit. An obedient life comes from a satisfied heart in Christ, and this comes from an accurate picture of the gospel, all that Jesus has done for us. So let me encourage you to be captured by the gospel, then be satisfied in him, and then be obedient to him within your life. This is my heart and my prayer for my own life in 2021. It's my heart and prayer for every single one of us who's connecting today. Another way of putting this is the words of Jesus. When he was asked, what is the greatest of all the commands? He says in Mark chapter 12 and in verses 29 to 31, the most important is, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with everything that you are in your life. The second is, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. If we love God with all that we are, we will horizontally love our neighbour as ourselves. As we close, I'm aware of the fact that, that longing for God is not something that you will long for naturally. We need to long to long for God, if that makes sense. We need to desire to desire God within our lives. So there's a daily battle going on to long for him. So make sure that you see him daily. To long for God is to have an accurate picture of him. So make sure that you have that accurate picture. And we see something of this battle in Psalm 42 and in Philippians 4. First off, right after he declares that he longs for God, the psalmist confesses in verse 5 in our passage, Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? And in verse 6, the psalmist says, I am deeply depressed. It's very honest, very candid. And in verses 9 to 11, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? My adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones. While all day long they say to me, where is your God? Verse 11, why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? And we also read from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, right after what he says, rejoice in the Lord always. He says these words, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we have this call to long for, to be satisfied, to rejoice in Christ. But the context of this is often pain. It's often difficulty. It's often hardship. It's often despair. It's often confusion. It's often depression. It's often worry. And it's often suffering. So what we see is that our difficult moments actually become a means to an end. A means to an end. That end being worshipping God, finding satisfaction in Him. We run to God because life is difficult. We long for Him because we soon realise that longing for anything else is futile. We find satisfaction in Him because we understand that nothing else in this life satisfies. If everything in life was plain sailing, we would have no need for God. We wouldn't pursue Him. We wouldn't long for him. If everything was going well in our life, we would have absolutely zero desire for God. These difficult moments in our lives are a means to an end, that end being God himself. So don't see your pain as a surprise. Longing for God is a context, is in the context of suffering, more often than not. God uses the difficult moments to bring us closer to him. So there's no opportunity to respond as we think about all that we've been thinking about within these pastures. If you need prayer and you're here in the service, then do speak to us uh, after the service and we would count it a privilege to pray with you. Uh, you can respond online right now by clicking on the button on your feed if it's there and you can let us know that you need prayer on the comment feed as well or you can contact us directly uh, by message or social media or by info at denisonbaptist.co.uk which is our, our email address. But I want us just to see that when we get to the heart of all of us, we're thinking about all that God has done for us in Christ and how it is we can respond to what God has done for us. The offer of Jesus is free. So please, please, please do not miss out on all that he has for you. God really does love you. 
he really does forgive you of all your sin. Come to him in repentance. Turn from your sin. He really will change your life in every possible way to make it better. He is at work today, so receive him today. Let's pray together. So Heavenly Father, we, we recognise that this, this is a difficult passage for us to look at and unpack as we start this year, but an important one. We pray, Lord, that we would take time to reflect as we go into this time of worship. We would reflect on what you are saying to us. And Lord, I pray that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. We would be receptive to your Spirit and we would be obedient to your Spirit. We pray that you would convict us of any sin in our lives. And Lord, may our deepest and greatest desire be you and you alone. And we ask that you continue to work in this time. That we would have a clear picture of you and a clear picture of the call that you have placed upon our lives. We ask this in your precious and powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. God bless.